0: Last night, we took a look at wisdom and folly in the Bible. Earlier in the week, you had a, a good course on wisdom from a philosophical, intellectual perspective. Those giant ideas always end up working out in daily lives, uh, and for good or ill, depending on how accurate they are uh, according to who God is. There's another face of wisdom, though, that is a lot more practical, and people who are less theoretical still indulge in it. Uh, All of us build a strategy for living. Living, you know, is not optional unless you decide to die. We're all into it. We actually like it. And there's some things we want out of life. We build a strategy to get those things. That strategy is our wisdom for making it through the world. To the extent that that strategy agrees with what God thinks is wise, it does well. To the extent that it violates who he is and what he says is right, it leads to a lot of frustration and pain in life. Life itself is broken. Since mankind rebelled against God, life is never going to be perfect. And there's a lot of mystery to life. You know, very, very good people sometimes suffer very tragic things. And for God's own purposes, sometimes very wicked people prosper for a long time. Whenever the Lord returns and wraps up history, at that point, all scores will be settled. Forever and ever and ever. In this life, there is a measure of blessing. Uh, living under the hand of God. There's also a measure of retribution, but everything comes fully in the next life. In this life, uh, if you live in line with the will of God, life works much better for you. That way, it won't work perfectly. As a matter of fact, living in line with the with the will of God could lead to an early death, martyrdom. But you know, there are a lot of things much worse. Uh, so we're taking a look at these these strategies. These little wisdoms that we develop for getting around God and trying to have what we want in life apart from what God thinks is right and apart from the way God runs the universe now last night we looked at nine ways to be foolish. Uh, some of you have had arithmetic in the past, and you you went down the column and added up all those numbers on the left and it came out more than nine that worried you there's one way one way to miss the boat. Two ways to fool around. Fool around is an English expression for wasting time or wasting opportunity. You know, all fooling around is not bad. Sometimes, sometimes we take a break and we just need to relax, and, and that's okay. But there are two ways to handle responsibility wrongly. Let's see, one way to miss a boat, two ways to fool around. That's three. And then, um, then three ways to be fooled, to be taken advantage of. Actually, that's just one folly. Now, if you add three to the other three, you're, you're adding the wrong numbers. It's called being simple. So if you're concerned about the arithmetic, it's really one way to miss the boat, two ways to fool around. One simple person who does three things. And then there are four ways, four strategies for avoiding God or evading God or trying to slip around God. And then five practitioners of those strategies. So five practitioners plus a simple person is six. Plus two ways to fool around plus one way to miss a boat. That's nine. So if you added up those numbers and it worried you, uh, now you're confused. (laughs) And worried. I'd, I'd like to start with the simple. That's not the handout you have. You you wanna you wanna turn your hand out over and write some things on the back probably. Uh, I'd like to start with the simple because you are ending most of you are ending that life stage, or will be in the next two or three years. Most of you already ended it actually. Uh, in the scriptures, this simple period in life, this period in which we are too open, uh lasts sometime from ten years old. Where you start begin to make decisions on your own, on, on up through early adulthood. Uh, for some people who insist on trying to live in a fantasy world, it lasts much longer. But th- this is a period of life we pass through. During that period, you know, you're, you're not necessarily mad at God. You don't want to really oppose God. Uh, maybe you're trying to do things rightly. But the culture keeps calling to you to go ahead and gratify your desires satisfy yourself there's a picture of this uh, in the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs it's uh, Proverbs 9 13 through 16 you want to write that down Uh, in this particular chapter of the Bible uh, wisdom is personified and then folly is there's been a lot of talk in the previous nine chapters about how one really ought to seek wisdom and the trouble that comes with folly. And then in this particular chapter, uh, the tug of war on the simple person is presented. God is calling to pick up a life of wisdom and walk his way. And at the same time, there's another call that comes on our hearts. So the scripture says, uh, presents wisdom herself. It's presented as a lady. Wisdom has built her house. She's hewn out seven pillars. She's prepared her meat, mixed her wine. She set up her table, sent out her maids, and she calls. Uh, there's there's a picture of it, just a wonderful banquet and a beautiful place that's been created by Wisdom. And she sends out her servants. Uh, she's wise enough to where she's prospered to the extent that she has servants. And the call goes out in the city. They're, they're calling... In the, in the passage here uh, to the highest point in the city this, this is a very public places wisdom is calling and calling to the simple and what wisdom calls out through her servants is come eat my food drink the wine I have mixed leave your simple ways and you will live walk in the way of understanding this is the message that's going out there are wonderful things that can be had in life the way to them is the way of wisdom so you know eat the wonderful things enjoy these wonderful things god has for you but if you're going to do it you're going to have to leave your simple mindedness you know, that mind that's too open and you're going to have to start learning how to really analyze life that's what understanding is about well you know if you're simple and you you just love believing it's not that hard you know if you believe it's not that hard you don't have to do much right doesn't require whatever it is doesn't require much preparation doesn't require a lot of effort no emotional anxiety life's just not that hard relationships are not that hard study is not that hard and we we cruise into things and encounter trouble so wisdom calls to you in the very public places and says leave this and go on to maturity grow up in your mind learn learn god's ways And there are wonderful things ahead for you. At the same time, there's another lady who has a house. No mention of splendor. Here's what it says. The woman, Folly, is loud. She's always creating a commotion. She's undisciplined and without knowledge. Literally, in the Hebrew, it says she is simplicity itself. She seems so sophisticated but she has no clue about how life works. Okay, here's what she does. She sits at the door of her house on a seat in the highest point of the city calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way. You know, everybody's sort of busy in the marketplace and she's got an apartment right here at the edge of the marketplace and she's sitting in front of she's calling out to the same crowd, to the simple, to the adolescents. Let all who are simple come in here, she says. And to those who lack judgment, she says, Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there. That her guests are in the depths of the grave. The Living Translation says that her door is the doorway to hell. Now, as you're a kid, you're growing up, uh, you get pulled two different directions. On the one hand, you know, you, you have teachers, maybe your parents, uh, perhaps uh, people involved in churches, uh, student ministers, people who, who call you to walk in God's ways. On the other hand, you know, there's just a tremendous pull through the movies, through the TV, through the music, to take the shortcut... Now, that's what this is about here. Now, that's Folly's message. Wisdom is saying, you've got to walk in the way of understanding. You've got to learn some stuff. You've got to, to learn how to use your head to really make decisions. And Folly is saying, it's not that hard. Come in here, gang. Oh, stolen water is sweet. You know, I mean, water is water. But the adventure of getting involved and getting it wrongly, oh, that's, that's gratifying. You can satisfy your thirst. Just, just take a shortcut. You know, stolen water, someone else got. And you took it. Someone else did the work to get that. And you took it. And you're just as refreshed as they ever will be. Bread eaten in secret. Food eaten in secret. The idea is, it's been stolen again. You know, that's why you're eating it in secret. They, they catch you eating their stuff, you're a dead duck. So, the, the food eaten in secret, it too has been taken wrongly from others. And it's eaten in secret, and oh, it's so pleasant. So, I mean, it's, it's food, you know, and, and food's just food. But if you get it this way, oh, the adventure and the gratification you can have. And this is the call of folly. And it calls to you through the movies. It calls to you through the music. It calls to you through TV. And it calls to you through dorm discussions. Your friends have been immersed in the media. The culture has. Those who write for the media have a worldview that says you want to gratify yourself while you can because then you're dead and gone. And we swim in that. And it shapes us. You you have to make some hard choices. You know, I mean, the the call comes. You know, get hold of yourself. Keep yourself pure sexually learn how to build relationships, and come to the point you can build a marriage. Then you can have a wonderful time. Sex will be a part of that. That's wisdom talking. But Folly says, you don't have to wait for marriage, for sex. You can have relationships right now, and you can have all the sex you want. I mean, all you got to do is just sort of push the boundaries a little, and just take a little shortcut here. You can have all the benefits of marriage. You know, couples that live together have a very low likelihood of marrying If they do marry, the marriages do not endure. The chance of it lasting 10 years is very, very, very small. But you know, folly calls, and boy, the old heart with the sexual desires and the loneliness, the old heart says, sounds good to me. You know, why, why, why worry about all this stuff in life? You know, just cut, you know, cheat on your income tax, take a little extra money from the cash drawer at work. You can have stuff you want. You just need to be slick enough not to be caught. But the dead are in her house. So as you're growing up as a kid, you know, your parents are saying one thing. And, uh, religious leaders are saying another, saying maybe the same thing. But the culture's calling you this other way. Rebel. I mean, why wait all this time to have what you want? Just do what you want. They're idiots anyway. They grew up in another generation. What do they know? And the heart is pulled back and forth. One day, the simple person realizes they really are simple. Now, here's wisdom over here saying, you are really simple. You need to start walking in the way of understanding. And here's folly over here saying, you really are simple. There are shortcuts. And you're just yo-yoing back and forth. And you decide, I've got to do something. It is absolutely important That you decide to take the hard path and walk in the things of God. If you do not, you will by default go into folly. This is what the scripture says. In uh, Proverbs... Proverbs fourteen eighteen. It starts off, the simple inherit folly. The idea is that others bestow this on them. <clears throat> Beyond a certain point, you will cross a line. You see, the, the line into wisdom, there, there's a borderline. This is Proverbs uh, 9, 10 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom whenever you decide you're going to do things God's way you have just walked through the door into wisdom there's a lot more to explore but you, you have entered that realm until you enter that realm uh, you're just simple if you're an adolescent after a certain point though you begin to realize there are things you want in life and you can't yo-yo any longer you're either going to get it the legitimate way Or you're going to take the shortcuts. You inherit. If you don't actively move toward wisdom. Catch this now. If you do not aggressively move toward learning the things of God. You will inherit from the people around you. Their folly. You don't get to go all all the way through life. Just simple. You you will inherit folly. What we're going to look at are the different major strategies and the different major fools that get inherited. Uh, The scripture says that you inherit folly if you are simple. Uh, Iveleth is a word there, a word we looked at last night, I-V-V-E-L-E-T-H. Iveleth is a folly that means I am stubbornly determined... To have my own way. Or to say it another way, I want life on my terms. Or to say it another way, I want what I want when I want it. Isn't that simple? I just want what I want when I want it. Well, that's that's developed. I want what I want, not what God wants. I want what I want, not necessarily what's helpful for you, but I want it. And I want it when I want it yeah you know, I heard anybody know dr. Phil dr. Phil on Oprah one time made this statement he said, You know our big problem is this we want what we want when we want it. I thought the man has some insight now <laughs> yeah, we we want it. nebelethth is a the folly there's a there's another level that's a lower level. It's it's further from wisdom. It's a it's a folly called cycloth. The fool who does this is called Sackle. I cycloth the person has come to the point that they want what they want and they'll live in denial in order to have it. It's a folly of denial. We're gonna look at these again a little bit later on and give you a head a heads up. The next level, actually, after you pass this cycloth level, you start moving into the criminal. Uh, more and more and more, the folly has a criminal edge. Then The next one down, the first one on the edge of the criminal, is haleluth, H-O-W-L-E-L-U-T-H or L-U-W-T-H. Haleluth. Literally, what it means is praising. And the idea is praising myself. It's a folly of self-exalting. I I put myself up above others. Now, the people who are into this are very often effective leaders, and they create a lot of problems. Uh, the, the one that's furthest down, away from wisdom, is a folly that sometimes the Bible translates it villainy. The one who does this is a villain. What is a villain? And somebody wears a black hat and black coat... Has a mustache. And a twirl Someone who does the low, mean, ruthless, harsh things to people. The folly is called Nabala. N-E-B-A-L-A-H or Nabala. And it's the folly of predation. The people who do this are predators. We'll talk about them. But the first step is Iveleth. Uh and we're going to look at Eveleth. There there are two two approaches to it in the scriptures. We'll look at those two approaches in terms of two fools. Sometimes whenever you talk about the subject of fools, people say, Well, really? Should you use that term? Because didn't Jesus say if you say to your brother, thou fool, you're in danger of, of hell fire. Uh yes, he did say that, but the translation, you fool, is not an adequate translation. If you want to, if you want to really translate that well, the word that's used there means something like this, you worthless piece of trash. So Paul writes in the, and Jesus uses the term fool for some people. And Paul, who writes uh, later in the New Testament, he also uses that term for situations and for people. Uh, so whenever you get down to the point that you're, you're so down on people, you call them and you think they're a worthless piece of trash. You have totally missed the mind of God. Uh, but we're using the term in terms of people who use poor judgment, very poor judgment, given the way the universe really exists. I'd like you to take a piece of paper and draw something on it. Now, this is not in your notes, but it's going to be important. Uh, I want you to draw a heart large enough to put three little dots in it. This is the human heart you're drawing. Uh, You don't have to do an accurate representation of the thing in your chest. The Valentine's thing will do. (laughs) Draw a heart and put three, three little circles or three little dots on the inside. Uh, three, you know, you make a nice little triangle out of them. Uh, I'm going to tell you what the, what the dots are. According to the Bible, there are three things that come, that are born into the heart of every human being. And those three things are the, the sources of, as far as I can tell from the Scriptures, they're the sources of all these self-defeating strategies. They get mixed and matched different ways to create these other strategies. But three things are born into us. And we're going to look at them in the Scripture. They're in two verses in the Bible. Uh, Proverbs twenty two fifteen is the first verse. It says this. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. The word folly there is this word iv I-V-V-E-L-E-T-H, the word we're talking about. This stubborn determination to have my way. I want what I want when I want it. If you become a parent of when your child turns about two years old, you will see this in full bloom. They call it the terrible twos. And a kid picks up their toy and it's mine. And the parent says, do this. And they say, nope. You know, I'm going to have my way. I will rule the world or I will die. <laughs> now, whenever you're a parent and your child goes through this, you understand why people could kill their children. Because some of them are so stubborn, I'm telling you the truth. Some of them are so stubborn, you cannot punish them physically enough to stop them. You have to love them, and you have to really work hard on training this out of them. The scripture says that the rod of correction will drive it out of them. And one application of that is spankings. Appropriate spankings are not hurtful to children. And what people tend to do is they tend not to spank whenever they should. And then things go on and on and on. The child is not corrected. So finally, the child does the last thing and they blow and then they abuse their child. And that's wrong. That's wretched. But that rod of correction means more than spanking. The word that's used for correction is a real important word. It's a a Hebrew word, musar, M-U-S-A-R. And it means corrective instruction. So sometimes it appears in Proverbs as the word instruction. Other times it'll appear as the word discipline. And other other times it'll appear uh as maybe self discipline. But but the idea is this it's instruction that comes to you with a corrective edge. Sort sort of like what a coach does. You know, you go to a coach, they're gonna train you how to say shoot a basketball. Well you you bounce the ball a couple of times and you shoot. And they they look at you, what you did, and they say, you know, you need to pull your elbow in tighter, and you know, you know, flex your knees just as, as the ball comes up, and and they they correct what you did. We don't like correction, right? Your parents say, you know, those clothes are a little too tight. <laughs> we don't like correction. Now, people correct your paper in English. We don't like correction. Now, friends suggest there may be a better way to relate to this other person. We don't like correction. Who are you to correct me? We don't like correction. It takes loving correction with a child to get them past this stubborn self-centeredness. It can be trained out of a child. Often, nowadays, it is not. And it creates a major problem in relationships as people try to court and marry. And also creates a major problem in business. Um, here's another verse. Ecclesiastes 9.3. These are the other two dots. It says, The hearts of men, that's generic, human race, moreover, are full of, and it lists two things. They're full of evil, that's one of the dots, and right under that evil right harm, and then there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. The word madness literally is this halalith. It is a self-exaltation folly. We got three things in our we have three things in our hearts. Number one, a stubborn determination to have our own way. Number two. A willingness to harm people. Evil is that which brings harm or grief to people. So write down harm. That, that's the easiest synonym for it. And then three, we we have this thing within us that wants to exalt ourselves. Now, the, the available, that stubborn determination to have my way, you can train that out of a kid. But the willingness to hurt people remains as long as we live. And the self-exaltation remains as long as we live. You have to learn how to deal with these things. Every one of you is proud. I am too. Every one of you is willing to hurt other people. I am too the way The way these things three things work together is sort of like this: I want what I want when I want it that 's ave and then Hallah steps up and says, and I, it. and I deserve it and then harm comes up and says. I don't want to hurt anybody, but if they get in my way, and we do this again and again and again. Now, some of us, you know, we like like to punch people. Most of us are just willing to use our tongues to really hurt other people. Or maybe we undercut them in relationships. But if they get in the way of what we want, we're willing to do what it takes to get what we want because we deserve it good example cutting in line at the di- at the dining room people come and arrive in line and they're waiting on dinner getting ready to eat dinner well you're up here you see some of your friends back there so you go back and get your friends and say come on up let's go on into the dining room or you just find a friend and say hi remember me now, forget these other people. I want I want lunch. I want it now. And I deserve it. That, that bunch back there, suckers. If they ain't any nerve, they cut in line in front of me. That's suckers. I don't mind getting in front of them. You know, they can delay lunch a little longer. It won't hurt them that much. Now, you're supposed to be out of that in, in first grade. But you see, just thing's as small as the lunch line. We want what we want. If it's our friend back there, it's our friend. We deserve to have our friend up here right now. Forget these other people. It won't hurt them much. We just take their turn. This goes down to very small things. The way we treat roommates. They live, they have one style of living, we have another. We work out the war some way. Uh, The way we compete in relationships. You know, someone's interested in the same guy you are, ladies, and you find ways to cut that other person off. Or, fellas, you do the same thing. Now, someone hurts our feelings? We deserve better than that, and we get even. This works at a very, very small level, and it works at the level of international politics. We want what we want, we have a right to it, and we will hurt people. And I'm not saying personally that there's never a reason for conflict. But what I'm saying is greedy people rise to power and they make life terrible for a lot of people because they want what they want! And they deserve it. As a matter of fact, in our society right now, the way we're headed, we're, we're headed back to Machiavelli. Now we've, we have lost uh, a vision of God. And, um, when there is no one to ultimately set standards, then the ones who set the standards are the ones who are the most powerful. If we have the personality that's winsome enough, we just push other people aside. If we're aggressive enough, we just push other people aside. If we're sly enough, we don't have to push them aside. We just cut their knees out from under them. But we, we see, we're going to get what we want. And we have our strategy. May not be as smart as other people, but we have our way. Now some of us are not as aggressive, and other people do that to us, and we just we just hate them in our hearts. You know. You know we devise ways to torture them in our minds, and, and then that eats us up on the inside. So these three things. This stubborn determination to have what I want and the intention to put me first because somehow I deserve it. And this willingness to be hurtful to others to get what we want. That's the story of marriages that fall apart. Now, you can read books on marriage and marriage counseling and you'll find that at the core of conflict two people who want what they want when they want it who feel like this other person ought to, if they just really understood the hurt they have gone through in the past, this other person really ought to give in and and meet their needs. And because they're not, devising a strategy to gouge them and hurt them. Now, there, there are five big strategies that grow out of these. Five types of fools. Um... The first one is the handout you received. This is the least noxious, or you might say the least obnoxious, of the strategies. The others get worse and worse and worse in terms of the intents of their heart and the hurt they generate. Um, the the fool is called the cassile. Really, what this person wants is they want what they want when they want it. But they have a different strategy for getting it from other people. Uh, you have a description of them. Uh, they want what they want when they want it, but they want it the, they want it the easy way. And so they set up a strategy, sort of a a false hopes. Their whole, their whole life is about setting their hopes on things that just, just never come through. Uh, They tend to be, now, let's look, go down the list real quick. A profile of this person. First of all, Proverbs 14, 8. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly, the eveleth, of Cassiel fools is deception. This is their big tool. Really, the verse means two things. One, since they get into this stuff, it ultimately deceives them. But it also means that their particular brand of getting their way has to do with deception. You could really call this person lazy liar. And you'd be pretty well on target. They tend to be uh, pretty affable people. Um, pretty gregarious. They're they're very upbeat. Their perspective is that God's not really going to be a factor in life. There may be a God, but, you know, He's really not going to be a factor. I just need to set out for what I want and get it. They They really value big dreams they have great big dreams boy one of these days I'm going to live in a 10,000 square foot house I'm going to have all these servants or I'm going to make it really big in the movies or I'm going to do this I have all these big dreams uh, they dream of living large you know the TV show one called living large it used to be lifestyles of the rich and famous of which I called other places I can't afford to buy But they dream of this high lifestyle. But what they really value, though they dream of this, what they really value is rest and relaxation. Not hard work. They're really into rest. Their attitude, they're very confident people, very hopeful, very upbeat. They just know their dreams are going to come true. Um... Any of you see Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Okay. Bill and Ted qualify here. They can't play the guitar, have no discipline to practice. But one day in the future, their music is going to change the world. In the meantime, they're just fooling around. Okay. Confident, hopeful. But they trust in the wrong things. Rather than really trusting in God and doing things God's way... They have their schemes. Uh, for some of them, it'll be the lottery. Rather than working hard, putting money together, and begin to buy properties or invest in the markets, uh, they buy the lottery tickets. They just know that one day they're going to win it. Now, there is in Texas, there is more chance of being robbed at a Seven Eleven while you're standing in line than of winning the state lottery. But they're going to win it. And uh, it, may, it may be, you know, a lot of the stuff that appears on TV. For some of them, it'll be Carlton Sheets real estate this week. Next week it'll be, or you know, next month, it'll be selling megavitamins. The next month, uh, it'll be, you know, exotic parrots and stuff like that. They're, they can make a mint this way. Then they just move from thing to thing to thing. They're looking for a magic key that will unlock the future for them. And let them have all that they want without any real hard effort. Without any real persistent drive and hard work. And they get so excited when they find the new magic key. Oh, they're really up. And then it doesn't work. The the door doesn't open. And they just crash and burn emotionally. But then they find a new magic key. And they're really up. And then they crash and burn. And then they find a new magic key. That's the thing they're putting their hope in, rather than God. Now, for some of us, that's relationships. you got one boyfriend. You're really up. This is the doorway to the future. Family and children. Or you've got a girlfriend. Oh, this is the love of my life. Now the universe will integrate itself. <laughs> and I will just hum in harmony with it. And then she leaves you. Then, you know, you're a total mess. And then you find another relationship. Oh, this was it. I missed it the last time. And that you're on this. It's a hard life. Um, they're always ready to party. They just somehow never get ready to work or to think. There are verses that talk about this. Ecclesiastes seven, four. They're big characteristics they have a lazy streak they have big ideas and they're searching for the magic key without work now their key tool in life turns out to be lying especially creating misimpressions false impressions and slander uh, their deceit that they do uh, sort of lets them out of hard, hard times and hard spots uh, this is the kind of person you give them some responsibility and they just handle it very lazily, and then you you, you you check up and you say, "What happened?" You know, I was I was mobbed by a herd of rabid butterflies, and I just couldn't get across campus to get it done. I'm more, there, most of them are a little more artful than that, but what you get is a lie. You don't get the truth about what really happened. You know, I played video games until four in the morning, and I went to sleep prof. And, Okay, grief is 11 o'clock before I woke up and man, the eight o'clock test was already by then. You know, the lie gets you out of the situations. Sometimes the lie helps you get money. These people turn into con men. But the lie, you know, is a very effective tool. It helps, it helps you get relationships that allow you to get sex if you're a guy. Or it allows you to sort of hook a guy and, and, and keep him with lies. Now this person just does not want to wait till the right time. They don't want to do things God's way. They just, they're sure that folly is right and there are shortcuts. You don't have to wait all that time. Most of them are waiting their life long for their ship to come in. Boy, when my ship comes in there, I'll have a 10,000 square foot house and I'll have wives in different cities. Uh Or, you, know, you do your own version of it. You know what the problem with that idea is? Man, the ship ain't going to come in if you don't send one out. You have to plant before you reap. If you don't send the boat out, if you don't pay the price to load it with merchandise and send it out, it's never coming back with profit. So... Performance, and what I mean here is how they act. They tend to be focused on their own opinion. They're, they're, they believe in their own opinions. Scripture says that they get an, into discussions only to express their opinion. They don't want to learn anything. Big goals, but no, they never develop any real specific plans on how you're going to buy that 10,000 square foot house. Buy a lottery ticket. That's not exactly a plan. It's a roll of the dice, but it's not a plan. They just never really get down to what I can do today to build the dreams of tomorrow. Uh, They have a temper. They tend to get into arguments. Uh, But they tend to be rather likable, very gregarious, like to party. Uh, Regarding work, they, they tend to organize their work in a very poor manner. Therefore, it wears them out easily. You have to learn how to organize work. They tend to overestimate their abilities. They think they can, they can do more than they can, so they bite off more than they can chew, and then it ends up chewing them. Uh, they, they resist others' input on their, on what they can do and what they can't. They've got their own opinion of themselves. They actually have a hard time getting to work. The verse that's quoted here, or written here, says they can't find the way to town. They're gonna to go out, and look for work, they make a little money, but, now where, where is the city? You know, they're not anxious to get buy a compass or ask for directions. They just can't find their way there. They just can't get down to work. They tire of work very easily and quickly. They do they just hit a lick or two and then they've got to rest or off into something else. As a matter of fact, they they evade work by very general plans. If you don't if you don't have anything specific to do, you don't have to do anything. Right? buy ten thousand square foot house. Well, what are you going to do right now? I think I'll lie down and rest. Talking too much? We'll look at that in a second. Uh, you, you, whenever you need to work, these people tend to talk. And then plenty of excuses about the inconvenience of doing things right now. The verse that's listed there says that a sluggard says, There's a lion in the streets. I'll be eaten alive. Oh, we can't do it right now. This is not a favorable time. Why? Oh, it's just too dangerous. It's too inconvenient. They just never get down to getting after it in the here and now. Now, all kinds of excuses. My sick aunt got sick again. I can't be there. My dog died. Your dog died last week. Well, I got a new dog. All kinds of excuses. Verbally, they tend to be gushers. They tend to blurt out all on their mind. Scripture says you need to watch about how you share things. They tend to talk about how they'll finally get their way. And as they, they really get into gear with talking about their big dreams and all, they just go from bad to worse. And some people sitting around and sort of go, oh, no. Money, they tend to spend all they have. The scripture there says that a wise man has treasures in his house, oil to spare. But the, this type of fool, if he's got it, <laughs> he doesn't have it very long. It's gone. There's a forecast for them in the scriptures. Uh, his big dreams will never come true. He never finds the honor and the wealth that he wants. What he does achieve will ultimately turn out bad for him. It'll turn out to his hurt. He brings a lot of trouble on himself. He, he becomes a grief to his parents. Scripture says that his mother or her mother will tend to have depression throughout their life. And he's a source of trouble to his friends. This is the fool that Scripture says, he who walks with fools will suffer harm. You hang out with these guys, you're going to find trouble catching him. So the big dreams are there. Life goes on. He ages. And it's always frustrated. Um, Just something to hang this in your mind. An animal that, for me, represents this person is an opossum. they actually can run fast if they get in trouble. They tend to move sort of slowly. And then, what happens when an opossum is in danger? What do they do? They play dead. They deceive. Their big talent in life is their deception. And that's sort of what this person does. Work comes along, they know how to play dead. They, they, They want this wonderful life. And what they want may not be bad. But they believe that they can have it out of the will of God, and it never comes to pass. I don't know if you recognize this in yourself or not. Uh it's one of the one of the things that one of the strategies that comes out of that develop that's born into all our hearts. The easy way. What am I looking for? I'm just looking for an easier way, man. Just sort of slide through things here. Um If this had been your strategy, by the way, this is me personally, this is not the Bible. From what I can tell just out of my study of Scripture and then dealing with people for 30 years, this is particularly a guy problem. But there are women who have trouble with it. There are some women for whom it's a problem. But it's especially a guy deal. Now, struggling with responsibility, wanting to play whenever you really need to be at work, and finding a lot of excuses... Uh, if this has been your strategy and luck it can be a lady 's strategy though if it 's been your strategy for life you 're going to need to do some things. number one, you have to decide to set your hope in god period it 's not going to be your rich uncle who 's going to help you get through things it 's not going to be your your buddy who 's going to get you into the future that 's going to be so wonderful for you it 's not going to be the state lottery. It's not going to be some mystical event out there in the future. If you ever produce anything in life, it's going to take long, it's going to take work, hard work. And that's, it's going to take enduring hard work. So set your hope in God first. Tell the truth second. Uh, lies will become second nature to you. And you have to start telling the truth. And then confessing when you lie. You see, all the problems that you develop start with the lie. The lie helps you avoid consequences. Being able to avoid the consequences gives birth to that dream that maybe you can still have the easy way. And whenever you start telling the truth, man, you have to start dealing with life. And whenever you lie to a person and you go back and say to them, you know, what I told you was actually not true. This is what the truth is. Man, that's just awful. But you know, if you'll do it, after a while it gets so awful, you stop lying. If you live in the lies, you will never build your dreams. Third thing is just learn to work harder harder and smarter. If you have trouble getting your studies done, get somebody to give you advice on how to organize your studying. There are better ways to do things. The Casillo tends to organize them poorly. And that really wears him out whenever he doesn't want to work hard anyway. You need to learn to work harder and smarter. If you quit lying, as a matter of fact, you're going to have to work to get anything. But actually, if you ever get anything, that's the way it's going to be. That's good for you. The last thing is you're going to have to seek advice and corrective guidance. You know, if we're strong, if we have our own opinions and we're strong, and that protects us from having to change. If we really begin to seek other people's viewpoints, particularly people who are more mature, then we may have to actually change some things about the way we talk, about the way we relate to people, about the way we work. If you'll do it, you can build a better future. But this is one of the major strategies. Trying to find the easy way through. And finding a lie a wonderful convenience. But it leads to frustration, not to a future.